Welcome to the Outdoor Panel Podcast, where we talk about chasing critters, catching fish, of course, hunting and fishing stories, and a lot of BS. There's like a beast. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's a nice eye. Yeah. That was a fast one. Holy cow. All right, folks, tonight we have kind of a BS session because we got Rob, who's out playing hurt. He's he's sick again. I don't know what Thompson has going on. He has something going on. Then we got freaking Zeb, who has COVID, too. So we're uh, we're like Green Bay Packers right here. We're, uh, we're playing hurt tonight, but we still have uh, good old reliable Eric, and uh, we got Bud. So tonight... We had something planned. We were going to talk about deer hunting stories, but unfortunately, that did just that did not work out. So we're going to go off the cuff here. Um, we're just going to talk about the upcoming upcoming <laughs> upcoming weekend and uh, what I have planned for ice fishing. So if you like ice fishing, this is going to be your podcast. So I don't have official hey. plan. I don't have official plans yet, bud. But my initial plan is to head up towards uh, Lake Arbutus, potentially Tainer Lake or Lake Eau Claire, or potentially hit the Mississippi River. So those are my initial initial thoughts for Friday and Saturday, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have any idea what the ice conditions are? Uh... Just based off a of look in the ice report app, it looks like there is six to seven inches of good ice up there. Um, okay. Sounds like there's quite a bit of snow on some lakes up there. Other lakes don't have as much snow. So pretty much just driving up there and going to see what Hoping happens. for the best. Uh, yep. I, just read, I just read today that I guess somebody in Manitowoc county went through yesterday well that's not a surprise um in terms of ice conditions down here in southwestern wisconsin they're pretty trash right now the snow yeah. now um i was talking to a buddy uh troy who i work with he was gonna go on a small pond uh in sauk county i believe and he got out there and he's like Ice is ice is shit pretty much. So he actually went more south where there was less snow. And yeah. He found two to three inches of good ice where he could get on a small little lake down there. But I this snow, we were doing good with making ice and this little snowstorm killed our ice making. So sounds like it's the same kind of towards your neck of the woods. Yeah, probably. Because, yeah, I think I was Pigeon Lake in Manitowoc County. And the person wasn't ice fishing. Her dogs, you know, nothing against Hudson, but she's from Illinois. Her, her dogs went running out on the ice, and she went chasing after them. And I saw the, the pictures that the fire department posted, and it, pretty much the lake was pretty much wide open. 
like there was probably like maybe a hundred yards of shoreline ice. Yeah, plus that's a Lakeshore County, so that's been warmer than any other part of the state. Yeah, but I mean, I know guys were out on Shano a couple weeks ago. I guess guys are going out in the bay. That's still super sketchy. Like they're saying, like there's some perch spots and pike spots, so I'm guessing it's kind of like Swamico and Dead Horse University. Yeah, I'm guessing them kind of spots are locked up, but. Then I saw a video, though, from O'Connell where they're starting an ice, the ice shoves are starting in O'Connell already, so. Yeah. Which means there's still a bunch of open water out there. Yeah. No, I I was actually out earlier this week with my spub bar, and there's inch, inch and a half, even at the small pond we got in town here, I took a kid out there, and we were hitting ice, and inch and a half and this pond's probably about maybe three or four acres in size and it's not very deep so yeah it's, be a, it's i mean i guess at this point folks just use your best jurisdiction or best discretion um where i if the ice is sketchy up there i can't go north because i like I know they have good ice up there. They've had temperatures towards like Park Falls. I know they've had temperatures close to zero for quite a bit of quite a bit of length here. So, but I mean, the other option for me is going to the Mississippi River backwaters and you know fishing three or four feet of water and fall through. You fall through. You get wet boots. You know. Yep. So. I'm not a be. I'm not afraid to be a little bit more aggressive on parts of the Mississippi where I know it's backwater sloughs. Where if I get in a predict predicament, I can pull myself out pretty easily. So, where are your spikes? Yep. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a good point. Before we talk about ice fishing plans, I mean, what do you do for ice safety, bud? Ice safety, me as far as early ice. Uh, yeah, I always have the ice picks or spikes or whatever you want to call them around your my neck. Uh, if I'm by myself, I'll wear um, a flotation device. You know, make sure that's outside of your jacket so it actually works. That's what I'll do by myself. If we're going out with at least two guys, I bring my big long rope for my boat i have that and i make sure the other guy knows where that is so if somebody does go through we know where it is so we can have a rope that we can pass to the guy that fell through you know it's just just little things you you, i don't want to say be afraid to go out because this is some of the best fishing you know i've always noticed i have my best luck is all early ice but you my main motto is plan for the worst and expect the best you know so i'm always prepared as far as if something would happen yeah i think my biggest my biggest tool that i use is probably the spub bar this time of year well yeah i mean you're yeah. you're always walking out walking out with the spud bar you know don't walk holding hands you know especially if you're really pushing the limits as far as the ice thickness yeah you know give, give yourself some space between each other 
Yeah. I think another big thing is, like, say if you do have somebody with a spub bar who's kind of leading the crew, um, just make sure you're, like, stepping on that same track. Like, when you're getting flags or if you're hole hopping, like, if yeah. you don't have a spub bar, like, don't <clears throat> step on, like, fresh ice. Because, I mean, me and you have been out there where you catch some springs and it goes from six to eight inches of ice to an inch zero <laughs> yeah if that so i don't know i guess yeah i bug covered it with the the ice picks um i guess the the creepers are big to have um so you don't slip and fall although it seems like most of the state of wisconsin has snow cover on the ice at this point so i mean yeah that's silver lining of having having snow on the ice but uh, it's a double-edged it's a double-edged sword because yeah you get that snow cover it's easier walking but yeah now you just had an insulation layer yeah and if you're going out by yourself um i always recommending telling at least a buddy or two or your girlfriend or wife at least the lake you're going to so yeah absolutely they at least have an idea where you're at just in case you go swimming or something like that and like like and if you know you're on sketchy ice just fish in shallow water like yeah I mean, if you do fall through like i said that's that's the great part about some of the mississippi brack waters i mean if you're in three four feet of water and you go through you're up to your way so <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, then I guess when you're trying to get out of the, uh, if you do fall through, uh, I'd say YouTube, just an ice, ice safety video where a person actually has to get out where they push their knuckles together and they, they kind of create like a, I don't know, kind of like a triangle with your arms and your body. Push yourself up that way. There's a lot of great videos on that that some fire departments are doing. I actually got to watch them training on that the other day so that was yeah. pretty cool so. one of the crazy things like you wouldn't think of but it's like if like if you go like if you go through on the shallow water like what you're fishing they actually say to get your gloves wet and then try to climb out because then the water on your gloves will actually freeze through the ice and it helps you you know and that's if you don't have the picks if you have the picks then you know you use that but if you don't have picks that this is yeah. something you wouldn't think of you have to get yourself more wet in order to get out. Yeah. And I don't know, just something else I was thinking of. If you get your boots full and you can slide them off, I mean, lose the boots. I mean, yeah, it's, it's better than losing your life. Yeah. So, you know, trying to, you, you look at some of the big muck boots and stuff we wear. I mean, you're trying to pull up a five gallon pail at the same time as trying to pull yourself up. Don't work. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, guys that hunt in the marshes will know exactly what we're talking about. So, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think that's pretty good. I mean, covering ice safety. Uh, I mean, and if you don't feel comfortable going out by yourself, don't go by your, don't go out by yourself. So, it's PSA. Yeah. So I guess uh, might as well get into my plans for at least this weekend. So I'm looking at starting off with doing some crappie fishing, like on those lakes I said, Lake 
Eau Claire, Arbutus, or uh, Tanner Lake. I was just doing some research and it looked like those have some potential opportunity. So pretty excited about that. And basically what, what, what kind of, uh, can you like describe like what these lakes look like? I mean, are they kind of like the, yeah. So something that they all have in common is that they're all flowage systems. Um, just throughout years i mean it seems like flowage systems always have great po crappie population so that's kind of why i'm targeting those bodies of water um okay. yeah each of them actually all of them have at least two or three rivers flowing into them um but i'll be fishing the part of the river or part of the flowage that doesn't have much current where it widens out um areas that i'm looking to target are um, so in the channel, a lot of these flowages have like little dips in them where it's like a three or four foot dip where it kind of creates like a semi basin within the channel. Yep. Is what I'm looking at. Um, another type of feature that I'm looking at is pretty much, uh, neck downs in like the flowage or the channel where, you know, the crappies have to transition from like one basin to another basin i'm just tr gonna try and catch them swimming in between is what i'm looking at yeah so and I i'm getting like i know that the crappies will pr will be in that deeper part of the lakes but i like just for my ethical deal like i don't like even fishing 35 plus feet of water for crappies yep. um i mean I, uh, one of the flow just has a 50 foot spot that looks good, but I just, I just mark it off. I, it's not worth it to me. Well, you could still, I wouldn't say mark it off because I mean, I've noticed a lot of times them deep basins. Yeah. That they're going to be suspended. It's yeah. not like you're fishing perch or bluegill. Perch and bluegill, I pick up off the bottom a lot more than crappies. Crappies. I find them, they're always in the middle. So if you're 50 foot, I mean, if they're suspended, they might be at 25 foot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's been a couple of times where, like, I've done something like that, and they're suspended at, like, 30, 35 feet, where I'm like, uh. Well, yeah. And I think that like, that's, that's more or less going to be based up, I think, probably where the, the lake probably has a thermal cline in it, and yeah. that's what they're they're basing off of. Yeah, I I think what I was gonna do is put the the flasher down there, and if they're suspended at thirty feet or shallower, then I'll target them. But if they're deeper than that, then I'll uh, probably probably skip on that. But I'm I'm gonna start off with. with targeting them a little bit shallower. Yeah, that's what I would do. So, but I don't know which one I'm going to go to. I mean, that's why I picked three lakes. So, you know, if ice is bad on Arbutus, I'll go a little bit more north. And if ice is bad on Lake Eau Claire, I'll go a little bit more north and I'll go Tanner. And then if it's still shitty, <laughs> just find another one. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that's all you can do this time of year. Yeah. If you don't ever, the only thing you could do is call the local uh, bait shops around and, you know, see if they got any intel in the area. That's about, you could do otherwise just go on and checking them yourself. I mean, the best intel you can do is your own intel. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the kind of plan. Um, and then if I have some success on crappies or whatever, uh, I am going to bring about a dozen uh, walleye minnows with me and I'll um try maybe getting on a walleye bite in the in the evening i might just camp out on the ice though i just leave my stuff set up overnight and see if i can pick up another uh couple night walleye too so yeah yeah in terms of where i was just gonna probably target the biggest structure on the flowage and and just camp on it pretty much yeah, I don't know much about walleye ice fishing. That's all I would do. Yeah, I just... I mean, I, I've yeah. caught one walleye through the ice, and that was by accident, so... Yeah, and I've never caught a walleye through the ice, so... I don't know, just based off the videos I watch, they say pretty much the biggest, like, point or... Uh, point or extensions coming off islands or stuff like that. Going to basins is pretty much all you got to yeah. target. So, I don't know, under underground humps and stuff like that, going to basins, pretty much any structure going to the basin. <laughs> and yeah. after that, it's like you just put your time in or you hop from spot to spot. But, yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with walleyes. I got I got more experience in pan, with panfish than any other species. And, yeah. But I think... We don't have a lot of experience with it, bud, though, because northeastern Wisconsin, I mean, there's not a lot of great walleye lakes up there that isn't the bay. <laughs> yeah, you got the bay. You got High Falls, Cauldron Falls. Poygan. Yeah, well, and then you got Poygan and the Winnebago, you know, the whole Winnebago system. Yeah, and I don't feel safe going out there yet. <clears throat> No, no, I mean, I, it's so it's so crazy. Like, I follow, you know, as much as I, everybody hates social media, I mean, I follow all the groups. And literally in the same group, you have people asking, is it safe to drive quads out yet? And then you have guys posting coordinates of open water. So, you know, and that's, that's the big thing with Poygan. Poygan's got so many springs. And stuff like that. It's you can literally, like we were saying, it's one of them freaking lakes where you go from eight inches to one inch. And if you get a fresh dusting of snow and less water is coming through, you don't see that one inch spot. That's the, that's the scary part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we even seen that with Nakabe when we were up there with my Jeep. We yep. were we were uh, pike fishing and driving the lake uh jeep all over the lake then we found this pocket of springs <laughs> like the thing we didn't drive over those holes yeah so, yeah but uh then the planned saturday is with that cold front moving in um i'm gonna be looking more at like i don't know not going too far from the truck so i can warm up 
and just hitting up as many like backwater sluice spots is what I'm thinking for Saturday. Yeah. Um, kind of what I'm looking at is everybody hits Lake Alaska on the Mississippi River. Like I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm over that bite because it is a good fishery, but I'm looking at expanding the zone in terms of, you know, just getting on more backwater slough type activity. So, oh, yeah. Zeb, Zeb's joined us, folks. Did so, he finally figure figure his phone out? Zeb, this is being recorded. <laughs> it took me forever to get back on. Yeah. Trust me, you're frozen. You're you're frozen on my screen for a long time. You're like picking a booger or something. I don't know. I might have been. I wish the ice was as frozen as what you were. It's pretty frozen around. I'm getting pictures of buckets. Oh yeah. No, yeah. we're just talking about ice fishing and kind of the plans for this weekend. We talked about some ice safety. You got any ice safety tips? We talked about, you know, ha- going with a buddy, having a rope. Having a flotation spud bar, spud bar, spikes around your neck, whatever you want to call them things. Yeah, main thing is don't be a dumbass. <laughs> that's yeah, that's rule number one. I mean that. There's been, I don't know. I had a time with my buddy where he was. We were fishing on the Brule like in March up in northern wisconsin when it starts to open up and he was walking along the ice shelf along the brewer river and the ice shelf gave away and he actually got up used his fingernails to get up underneath get up on top back on top of the ice otherwise he would have probably been swept under like 100 yards of creek that was already that was still froze over and it's just like man there's so many little things like don't be overconfident when you're messing with ice and water yeah my number one thing like Especially on anything with current. Yeah. You know. Yeah, live and, live and die by the spud bar is, you know, what, I, what I've what i learned fishing around here anyways, like on the river. And, yeah, you can never be too cautious when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Ice safety. Yeah, that was my biggest one. You guys sound like you covered the other one. Just don't be a dumbass and a, a fish fry is not worth it. Yep. Have any of us had any close calls on the ice? As far as going through? Yeah. Well, when I was younger, when my feet were small, I walked into a hole. (laughs) That'd be about my closest call. (laughs) So I was up to my nuts in the water. (laughs) My my dad had to come and grab me and yank me back out of the hole. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say I've had any, you know, too close of calls. I've had some, you know, butt puckering moments where the spud bar goes through on like the first hit and you just back up real, real slow. But, yep. Too crazy. Craziest thing for me is when I've been deer scouting, <laughs> going uh, through where the cattails actually meet the water. It's a little soft there. Swamp, too. Like, a lot of that shit doesn't freeze as good as you think it does. No. Uh, no. You think it, you think it that it would be, like, it's only, like, a foot deep or whatever? 
but there's so much freaking heat there. You know, and that's what's crazy is like you get that black muck, all that grass is absorbing heat, that it's, yeah, it, it just does not freeze. Yeah. We got that, that, that Scotch chunk that I hunt by Sabisky, and that's all it is is a bunch of uh, swamp grass and stuff like that. And we'll sit there and was it the very first year we were hunting it? I mean, it froze up really good for second weekend. And yeah, you'll be walking around no problem. I mean, it's like nine inches of ice. And then you get to a spot and you break through, <laughs> you know, and then you're up to your waist. That gets real cold real quick. Yep. Yeah, even like if you want to talk about deer hunting and ice, like I've traversed. I'm sure you guys have too hunting like up north. Like when you come across a beaver dam that you got to get across, like, man, you can never be too cautious when you got to walk across the beaver dam. You know, you got yeah. rushed on one side and I'm actually impressed how sturdy those fucking things are. Cause I'm not a small human and they hold a lot. Like it takes a lot to blow out a beaver dam. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I was out last week. I was uh, scouting a bog and uh, ended up going above the knees. Like, I think it would have been deeper in that spot, but, you know, I mean, I'm pretty experienced out there. And I think there is a little, you can't even see the current sometimes in those marshes. But I pulled up the map and there was like a little, little crick underneath where the bog was meeting up with that crick. And, yeah, she got a little wet, got a little bit deeper than I anticipated. So I was like, I gotta turn my ass around and go a different way. Cause if I would have stepped on that ice, who knows how deep that is? Cause some of those spots uh, don't have bottoms. And yeah, I think, uh, man, I could tell so many stories from deer driving and stuff. Like when I was that kid that didn't listen to anybody and I just went through and did this and then you start hunting with people that are younger and you're the guy trying to teach them how to walk through stuff and you just let them figure it out for themselves and they're fucking frozen by the time the second drive gets done because they didn't listen to you yep yep so i mean for me it's just i don't know if you're deer scouting in marshes watch out there's Stay on as much land as possible. And if you see a bear spot with nothing, watch your ass. Oh, <laughs> never walk in a bear spot. Yep. There's a reason nuns grow in there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there's either a deer bed there or there's nothing there. That's the only reason that there wouldn't be anything growing there. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, I guess the rest of my plans uh, are heading yeah, over. That- Back to ice fishing. Yeah, back to ice fishing. <laughs> um, so I guess the rest of my plans uh, on Sunday got a pretty good group. I'm thinking the ice should be good after Sunday, or at least Sunday morning, because it's supposed to get, what, negative <laughs> 15? Yeah. Stuff, stuff doesn't fr- freeze with that, then uh, there's something and, wrong. So. And where, where that spot is, there's... From what I can see, there's no current going through there. It's one of the first spots to freeze up. Yep. It's like three to four feet of water. So if, uh, if that. Yeah. Basically, I invited my sister, her husband, 
my dad, basically a bunch of people have never been ice fishing before. And I'm basically going to be a guide for the day. I'm bringing up my three tip downs. Uh, I'm going to have my dad hopefully run over to Bud's and pick up some more of Bud's tip downs. And we're just going to have a party on the ice basically to get some folks introduced introduced to the ice fishing world. So got a bunch of greenhorns. Are you so, doing that on the river? Uh, what was that? Are you doing it on the river? Uh, uh, no. it's, a, it's, it's a spot up by me. Yeah, I'm going to be on, uh, yeah, Spot X, just, uh, like, just, wow, really, Eric, come on, man, Spot X. Oh, uh, am I going to have uh, to did you? out? There we go. Oh, I didn't see Well, I could edit that out. <laughs> I'll edit that out. I'm on Lake so 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 and so. Uh, just gonna be targeting a perch on uh, I don't know three to four feet of water above the weeds. Well, in the weeds, you really there's no above the weeds in that spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The weeds no. kind of go all the way up to the ice. Yeah. Keep drilling until you find you keep drilling until you find a hole. Yeah, pretty much. So. You like, you have some experience with that, Zeb, don't you? What's that? Like fishing uh, shallow water perch? Yeah, we uh, we do quite a bit on the river. Um, I'm lucky enough to be one of my best friends uh, right across the river, and that's like his jam is fishing. Like deer hunting comes second for him. Like he tries to get me out in the boat in November, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, a lot of the fun stuff is like when it's like two foot of water. Yeah. When you can yeah. fish them. We ran into me and Andy ran into it last year. It was something we never did it. Old timer kind of tipped me off on the spot. I'm like, well, let's go. And we freaking went out there and it was like sun up to sun down. And how we made it home, I don't know. But we, we, we killed it. We killed a bottle and a case and we just had so much and we were fishing tip down. So it's like goes down. You just lift it straight up. Like we were losing more fish because like they'd zip off to the side and we'd yank it up and they banging them off the ice. We had a, we had a couple fish that flew five feet in the air because you freaking yank them so hard. I tell you what, tip downs, you know, I never really started using them until I moved down here. There's a reason they call them clean out sticks. Like. They are lethal. Yep. I think that the hardest part is like, and what Eric's going to run into on Sunday is you got to, you have to have ideal conditions for him. You know, you, it, it like Eric's going to run into like the holes freezing up on him. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, and then like, if you have too much wind with, you got that much freaking line above the hole. If you have too much wind, you're screwed. It's one of those things you have to have so precise conditions in order to use them but when you have them oh yeah man it's their lights out yeah i got a couple of buddies that'll uh they'll run them with uh like aerators in the yeah hole. like and you know you're fishing 20 feet of water when you can do that you don't want to do it with you know two foot of water or whatever it is but yeah you're exactly right them things are and they're so much fun until you get a pike with them yeah then it's a race to pull out the 
you know, stopper knob in there, got one of those in there, and it just. You're just trying not to lose the rod. I know. Yeah, that's fun. Have you ever used those, uh, the innovative tip downs? They looks like a PVC pipe. Is that like the Sylvania ones? Do they call them STDs or something? No. Or a different one than that. They're a different one than that. They're uh, they're called. What did I say they were called? Innovative. Yeah, the innovative tip downs. Uh, it's like a tube, like a PVC tube, and then the rod goes on top, but the rod keeps tension, like it doesn't just fall like a normal tip down. Okay. I used them one time, and they're not they're not bad, but they're supposed to com- uh, combat a bunch of that stuff. That uh, yeah, that's that's the that you got to worry about with like line and wind and yeah but yeah i just got the old conventional ones yeah i got i got three wooden ones and then andy made we have some plastic ones too but yeah we just used the old fiberglass rod with a wooden handle with a screw through it (laughs) you know that's all we kind of got as far as the gear for our tip downs But no, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you see like them big fans, like you look at the Sullivans or I don't know, all the guys, they call them STDs. I can't remember what the actual name of it, but, but it's like, you look at some of them, it's like, you understand how good of a piece of gear it is to have, but man, some of them are freaking pricey. Are those the ones that got the the flag on the handle and it goes up? Yeah. 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 You know, it's like you got you look at some of these tip downs, they want like 50 bucks a pop for them. And I'm like, Christ, well, then you buy three of them because you can have three lines out. So you're talking 150 and that's just for you. Well, now, if you have a girlfriend or your wife, kids, where you start stacking up, I'm like, man, I'm going to have a grand in tip downs. I'm like, it's something you're going to use like five times a year, if that. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you I bet you I put my tip downs out pretty much every time I go fishing. Which last year was barely any because you had a newborn, but hopefully this year's a little bit more. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, I actually put them in the shack with me too. Yeah. Yeah. I bet me that that'd be slick. I mean, with like Eric's hub shack and stuff like that, it's no different than having a dead stick sitting in there or a rattle reel or a tip up, whatever. Yeah. That's what I do when I find the fish. I like after I'm on them, I'll jig, then I'll have two tips downs out. That works pretty good. Um, yeah. I actually did pick up a, a new tip tip down this year. It's actually a one where you can use a rod. It's called uh, the Dangler. Not sure if you guys have heard of it, but basically your yeah. fishing rod just dangles and fish pulls it down, and you can actually use a rod to reel them in. So something yeah. a little bit different. So yeah, I've seen like I've seen a lot of them too. Like you can get them set up like that for a uh, like right on a five gallon pail. There you get like clips for the the handle on the pail, and then there's like a cradle on top the handle of the pail. And you put your rod in, and that to me with tip downs like that innovative one I was talking about, and how it the tension remains on the line. I don't. I don't know how much I like it though, because when I think about like how finicky the perch get on the river sometimes and the crappies, like if they have that tension, 
it seems like it, you would lose more fish because you know when they hit the tip down and you got that 12 to 18 inch drop to me it seems like that catches more fish than having that straight tension on the line because you think about how many times well, you've got a dead stick but well it's i mean it's no different you know, like you look at guys walleye fishing or even perch fishing you know they talk about you know when they're on a finicky bite you feed them line you feed them line for one count or two count or three counts before you set the hook well that's the whole purpose of the tip down you know you try to balance that rod perfect so when they yank it they're not feeling the tension exactly and that's where i'll be curious to see how if you ever get in a position this year eric to test that if you got one that's popping and one that's not because yeah no it's going to be interesting i'm going to experiment with that actually on sunday so what what i'm going to set up with the rods i have is i got two like traditional tip downs then i'm going to have that dangler out there then i'm going to have actually two rods that i'm just putting in rod holders on a bucket and yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see how each one's going to perform see if the traditional tip down is going to outperform just those other methods so then i'll have buds out there too so be able to get a real good idea of uh which one's going to work good so well what's crazy about it, like that bite like we me and andy were out there i have a tip up it's an old polar wooden tip up but the spool on it is super freaking loose on it like i don't know what for some reason it's different i mean you can just have like a bare hook on it and that's enough weight to drop line out of the spool so i'm like it's perfect it's it's a panfish tip up so we had that out and i got so many freaking hits on it but for some reason it was like it almost like they would have too much um ability to run with it and i only caught one freaking fish on it the whole day <laughs> it's like you gotta have that happy medium of you know the tip down to tip up yeah yeah, that, that's true. And like, because I, I ran a tip up or tip, uh, tip up the one day that we were out there and uh, I had one big fish hit it, but it just seemed like every time that something struck that, they just buried in the weeds too quick because they had too yep. much of a lead to. They had too much so, freedom. Yup, yup. So that was interesting to see. But, yeah, so that's uh, what I got planned for ice fishing this weekend we talked about all this and who knows might lose all the ice or get there and the river's running too strong and end up who knows where so <laughs> who knows i'll end up in hayward wisconsin or something like that fishing grindstone or something like that <laughs> i don't know plenty of spots up there if you want fish but we won't be naming them here right now <laughs> that's oh. my country yeah, I like uh, me and Bud were saying, saying Zeb, me and Bud haven't really walleye fished at all through the ice. We've just it's been pretty much just pan fishing pike because yeah. that's pretty that's pretty much what we have in northeast Wisconsin. Besides, you know, the Winnebago chain and Calder and High Falls, like Bud said, and the Bay. So, yeah, we uh, well, I lucked out going to school up in Ashland. I uh. I got to one of my best friends. They 
like I knew how to ice fish, but I mean, he really taught me how to ice fish and we had a yeah. couple like, you know, clear water lakes and it was just insane. You could watch the sun hit the trees. And as soon as the sun hit the trees, the tip ups just started popping. Just boop, boop. You had a 45 minute bite window and there's other spots like, you know, Pete and well back home fish that quite a bit now. And that's a banker's yeah. bite, you know, the five, it just, yeah. yeah, there's not a night, but well, certain people say they can catch them out there at night, but it's so dark water. It's pretty much a, a banker's bite. and That's what I've heard too. Yeah, just there's like some fish. Yeah, just listen to like in-depth outdoors last year, they were out there. They're like, there's no need to get up early when you're fishing this body of water. Yeah, it's so. funny too, because... You know, you can see the landing and all the all the places that are in the background of them, and it's like, oh yeah, well, I fish there too. And it's just a matter of the day, and you got on the right structure. And yeah, me and Bud have talked about fishing Castle Rock and Petenwell for years, and we just we haven't made it happen. No. Well, those things. It's just it's just a time. I mean, well, for me, I mean, it's the time commitment. I mean, I'm for doing a day trip. I mean. I think what Piedmont Castle. I mean, I think that's two hours, two and a quarter for me, or something like that. Yeah, normally always on the weekend. It's uh, you have a snowstorm, you're driving through to get there, or you got like forty mile an hour winds, or yeah, you know, it's like it's never just that like ideal. Like yeah, let's freaking go hammer them. Yeah, Piedmont's pretty hard too. Like it can be really hit or miss if you're gonna hammer them or not. But, uh, yeah, we should see, well, right now we can't cause I got COVID, but we could stay at my parents too. If you guys wanted to do a weekend out of it. And once my buddies start fishing it pretty heavy, cause they're just starting to get really good ice, um, out there right now. I know one guy was, had a wheeler out there the other day, but mm. it's, uh, it's addicting too. Cause I mean, you get crappies the size of a phone book and yeah. Yeah, growing up on it, like fishing the walleyes and seeing how big they are. I still haven't caught a bruiser through the ice out there yet, but my buddies have. We I mean, I've, I've only caught one walleye through the ice, so it won't take much. I mean, even though that one walleye, though, huh? I caught one walleye the size of my penis. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean the one the one walleye. I mean, and everybody everybody grinds my freaking gears about throwing it back and not getting it mounted and stuff like that. But it was up on high falls, but we didn't even measure it. I mean, what was it, Eric? Like freaking twenty four or something like that? Twenty five? Twenty five and a half. Is that what we figured it was? And that was up on a flowage up north. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that yeah. Was- that was a fun day. That was actually, we did that tradition for a couple years, bud, where me and bud would actually go out on ice and we'd get out there for daybreak and we'd just stay till New Year's and the fish were biting past New Year's. We'd even stay past, yeah. past midnight. That was fun. Yeah, that, that was a freaking, that was a grinder that, and we didn't even catch that many fish that day. It was actually a pretty shitty day fishing. Like we started in one spot and we like walked a freaking three quarters or a mile to the spot, fished it for like half the day, didn't catch shit, had lunch, packed up, 
went back to the truck, moved to a different spot, went fish that spot. And I don't know, did we catch like one or two pike in that one walleye and that was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was so nice out. We were like, we didn't even have a shack with us. No. Like, it was so nice out. We're like, it's going to be 34, 35 degrees out. Why even leave? Just sit out here. Yeah, right. So, I mean. Fishing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited. So, So, yeah. Like, we. I got a question for Zeb. So you're up on, um, you went to school up in Ashland. And that's where you kind of learned your ice fishing. So did you ever get out on the big lake to do like the splake and the lake trout, you know, that kind of stuff through the ice? So we fished, uh, we fished the bay quite a bit. So I kind of got screwed over because, well, I screwed myself over because I played uh, basketball in college so i couldn't ice fish as much as like my buddies okay my that was your that was your season but uh yeah on the bay we used to catch quite a bit of trout a lot of the big smallies and then uh i never really got into i never got the chance to go out like lake trout bobbin um yeah the ice but my assistant coach now he still lives up there and uh he's got his own big decked out lawn like open water fishing we do that all the time yeah you know, we'll go and stuff like that but through the ice i never i never got to go deep water fishing i mean you can get some of the splake and the trout um running like the crick malls in the spring which was a lot of fun but yeah uh, yeah i never got to hammer like those big slobs you see you know on the internet and stuff people are always doing it but yeah, it's like I always see that so like especially like the Milwaukee Harbor Browns and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like I just think that would just I mean you sit there you, you think of like when you're out there in the summertime trolling for them and the size and stiffness of freaking rod you're using to reel them in and they're dogging you then. And now you're grabbing this two foot freaking rod that's limper than a freaking wet dick, and now you're trying to drag it up through a freaking ten inch hole. I'm like, I just think that'd be insane to do that. So, like, that's insane. But what I honestly think is more insane is when you get, the, like, the lake run steelhead coming in up into the creeks to spawn. So, like, that assistant coach I was telling you about, he uh, he was a guide, too. And, like, he's got his own rod company, got his own fire rod company, writes articles for all these places. Just an awesome dude. So, he yeah. would take me my other teammate my brother out fishing all the time and like you hook into like a 28 inch uh spawning steelhead in a creek that's like 12 foot wide yeah that will like yeah that would freaking straighten the goddamn pig dick out i mean it's just yeah, yeah. we get that we get that a little bit around here like on the kiwani the swamico you know we got a couple of rivers around here that we can do that on and yeah that's and i've never done it i mean i've attempted it but i've never actually hooked into them yeah Yeah. well that's what kind of fucked me around here now like living up there trout fishing and doing all that like we used to do it all the time and then i come down here to the driftless area where yeah it's trout fishing's great and all that stuff it's like yeah i'm not 
me and my buddies talk about this all the time because the same one that lives right across the river is the same guy. We actually work in the same office now. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, my best friend that was up there fishing with me in college. And I'm like, people talk about trout fishing. I'm like, yeah, we can't just do it around here. Like, it's just, I'm not standing in a farm field over a creek. <laughs> rookies. And I can go to the river and, you know, pound 12 inch crappies out of a tree versus, you know, something I know is a lot better farther north. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's always been a bucket list trip is either going up to Superior or Milwaukee Harbor. It's just got to get the gear to do it, too. <laughs> well, so Milwaukee Harbor and Superior are two completely different different games, though. Like, it's not near as good on Superior as, like, Milwaukee Harbor. Like, that, they're not even really comparable. But I think the, the hard part, I think, like Milwaukee Harbor, I think is like access. Because well, you look at like like a lot of the guides and stuff, like they get the private accesses through private yacht clubs and harbors and stuff. And that's where they do all their fishing, you know, where Joe Blow can't show up and just walk out there. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right there. Dude, one time got me start thinking about ice fishing on the bay um because the smallmouth up there are just giants they got to be 22 inches to keep yeah me and like i don't know my brother and two of my best friends we were all fishing and uh two tip-ups went off pretty much at the exact same time and i'm fighting it my other buddy's fighting the other one they're like 25 yards apart and I think I got like a king salmon by the ass. Like I am just not gaining any. <laughs> and finally, I was just like, dude, I got to figure this out. Like he's either gonna spool me or you know what's going on. So I started because I I had like you know a bunch of background like everyone has with you know probably a five foot liter of ten or twelve pound mono, mono or something because the water's pretty clear. Yep. I, I ended up popping my liter and I was just like, oh fuck, you know, all pissed off. Well, all of a sudden, my buddy's like, oh, yeah, this one's coming now. Oh, he ended up catching it. My hook. But you got. My hook was on one side of the fish's mouth, and his hook was on the other. We had a smallie come through. It was like, I don't know, 20. It wasn't 22, but it was pretty big. And uh, he smacked mine, went over and smacked the other tip up, and we were both fighting the same damn fish. No bullshit. Yeah, you're, you're fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> that fish was stuck in the middle, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's a different beast up there, man. Like the trout will come through, and uh, I know why people use like those quick set rigs and stuff like that for their tip ups because those fucking yeah. come through and hit your tip up, and they hit it so damn fast, they would just steal the minnow off and just keep going. Yep. I mean the the backslide, the flasher screen would just explode when a school of cohos would come in, and you catch like four cohos, and they'd be gone for like two hours. You just sit there with nothing. Yeah. Like, well, that was cool for. It was kind of like prom night. That was cool for like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a super super cool trip. Yeah, another thing that we've been talking about too is freaking heading over on the bay. We actually have a four wheeler now, but we need ice. Do some white fishing. White fish and, and walleye is what we'd like to do, but we don't get like good ice on to on the bay until it's like 
February. <laughs> well, the the hard part about the freaking bay, you know, let's specify because Zeb is talking about uh, I don't know what bay is that called up there, but yeah, yeah, and then Green Bay. Yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, Green Bay, I mean, I'm sure it's the same up there, but with us being a shipping port, they, they're constantly running the icebreaker through, you know, and then sometimes, you know, depending on ice thickness, they might do it the entire winter. And then sometimes they're doing it till the end of January. And then we finally get a point where they're not breaking ice. Because it's every year, like, it'll finally freeze up to the point where it's only open where they run the breaker through. Then guys go out white fishing a mile out, and then pretty soon you get a windstorm. And then pretty soon now Coast Guard's getting called from Traverse Mixon and all these other places to come and haul all the guys away. You know, it's, that's the rough part about fishing the bay. Especially with whitefish, where you're going out a mile out or two miles out. Yeah, that you learn a whole different kind of respect, too, for big water like that. Like, I got to work on Lake Superior for, like, I don't know, four years. And going to school up there, you'll hear stories of, like, when those big waves come through and you just watch the waves go underneath the ice and lift the ice up. It's like, no. Yep. I don't need that in my life, like, at all. Yeah, because, well, Superior, even being that far north, I mean, does it ever, it never really actually freezes over, does it? It's frozen over completely a couple times in history, and the last time, I think, was in the 90s. Yeah. But it wasn't for, like, you know, more than a day or two, probably. I can't remember how long it froze over for, but yeah, the yeah. last time I know that it has was sometime in the 90s crazy yeah, yeah it's it's no different than like lake michigan man i think lake michigan finally froze over well whatever that when we had the polar vortex come through six seven years ago lake michigan froze over now the bay is 10 feet higher than what it was 12 years ago you know, it's insane just because it killed the evaporation over winter and the freaking water level just went up insane. It's crazy what one year would do. Everywhere pretty much needed it at that time, too, with the water level. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, went, it, went, it went from us having, like, our shorelines, like the duck hunt. You, had a, you could walk out from the shore 100 yards with waders. <laughs> you know that's that's how shallow it was and now it's back to where you can't get out of the freaking cattails with waders <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's a whole different game changed the fishing all around too i finally figured out the bay and then that happened and everything changed yeah no i just remember that going up to dora county and like all these people with their nice rich boats having to walk out like 100, 150 yards to their nice boats. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, nice uh, short form property you got. And it's funny how it worked out the opposite way because they had the ice shoves taking out their houses. <laughs> yeah. 
remember seeing videos of that shit like that. I think it was on Winnebago. Yeah, Winnebago's always bad. Every year. We'll get an ice shove. Those things, it's like, as much as I would love freaking lakefront property or something like that, I'm like, man, it's like just trashed all the time. Like, you never know when you're going to go there and your place is going to be either flooded or taken out by an iceberg. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Well, people living on the shoreline probably afford to rebuild, so. <laughs> That's a big part of it. If you can afford to buy that place, you can probably afford to rebuild it. Not wrong. So. There's probably there's probably a lot of people that sit there and buy some, like you see that a lot, you know, along the west the west shore of the bay right now. And there's all these little rink-a-dink fish shacks and stuff. It's like you probably just think of how many guys are buying them up and just insure them, and they're just waiting for them to get trashed so they can tear get the insurance money, tear them down, and build what they want. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, it's about an hour. I think it was a pretty good discussion for just going off the cuff tonight. We weren't sure what was going to happen tonight. Uh, so I think we provided you some good ice tips. Don't be a dumbass. Yeah. Number um, one, don't be a dumbass. Where you don't walking? be a dumbass. I guess uh, that's the one thought of this podcast before we wrap it up. Don't be a dumbass. So maybe that's what we'll call this podcast, Don't Be a Dumbass. Let's, so, so you, you want to do my would you rather, or you want to save oh, that for when everybody's here? That. I forgot about that. Would you rather? Let's go, bud. All right. So, I mean, you guys already saw it, but I'll recap it. So your would you rather, you can have all of your tags covered in your home state for life. And that's including picking time zones. You're getting a guaranteed draw every year. So even bear. Bear, you're going to get every year. There's no waiting period. And that's covered all costs for life. Does it count elk, too? I'm going to throw in elk just because. Just because, like, Wisconsin only has, like, four tags. You know, or four, four like, deer, turkey, elk, and bear. So, so that'll, can, sweeten the, that'll sweeten the pot. You can, you can get an elk every year in Wisconsin, too. All right, and you're getting them for pro bono, perfectly free. You can have that, or you can have anything transportation related covered when it comes to hunting. So if you have a backcountry hunt in Wyoming, you're getting your airfare out there, your rental car up to the mountain. You have your pack llamas, mules, horses, whatever, all lined up for you to go back on your hunt. So you got that. Now the following year, you got an Alaskan bear hunt. Oh, yep. You got your plane right up there. You got your boat lined up, all the shebang. And you got that for the rest of your life. For all your transportations and equipment, not equipment, but pack animals, four-wheelers, all that, that's ready to go. Or you can be 100% sponsored for all your hunting gear. And it's by your make, like whatever you want to pick. You want Sitka? Okay, fine. You get the top of the line Sitka gear every year, whatever you want. 
you get the bows, you get the guns, you get the optics, you get whatever you want. If it's hunting related, you get it off the shelf. You get to try it, you know, for free. All right. That makes sense to me. I know what I'm going with. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'll, I'll take a stab at it first. Uh, I'm just a nomadic spirit, man. Transportation all the way. I mean, I like experience a lot of different things. Like, I love to go up to Alaska, do a bear hunt up there, chase caribou. Gas is really expensive, especially when you're driving a truck. And, uh, you know, all the ATVs and stuff like that, llamas. I mean, don't have to worry about exerting myself too much. <laughs> um, oh, you still will. Yeah, still will, but, I mean, not having to worry about packing an animal out too too much. Uh, I'd love to go to Wyoming. I'd love to go to every single state and hunt every single state. So I'll go with the transportation part piece and just the, all the different experiences. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, you know, I've done some western hunting and all that stuff and that's the biggest thing is the cost of transportation out there and i mean it isn't it isn't like tags are expensive but if i don't have to worry about transportation i can do wherever whenever every year just for transportation mm -hmm. costs like yeah i would definitely definitely do that because i mean my home state like our state rates as you guys know are not that expensive but it would be awesome to shoot a bear every year because i really like eating bear and shoot an elk every year in wisconsin but i feel like that could get old is that's gonna sound really dumb to say but because <laughs> it could never get old shooting an elk because it's like one of the best feelings in the world but compared yep. to shooting an elk out west versus up north where i deer hunt are two completely different things you know, like when you go out west, it's just everything looks so great. Big. On truck. Yeah, it's so big. Yeah. I mean, and like that's kind of why I changed my game with the truck instead of driving back and forth like uh, every week. And like I'm, I'm cutting my fuel cost in a half, if not in a by a third, by just living right out of my truck. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, how much fuel we spend glass and shine and just driving to different parking lots it's insane it's absolutely insane yeah i mean if i could go down the road and you know shoot a shoot a deer every single time and be happy with it like i that's not my cup of tea i mean i, I just love adventure and like i don't know driving around seeing different things that's that's what I love. What uh, what do you think, Bud? Which one are you going with? Yeah, I'm, as much as I love hunting my state, I don't think I'd want tags for everything every year because I'd be putting so much on my plate. Like you'd have like between your two buck tags, bear tag, and elk tag. You're cramming a lot of stuff in there. As awesome as that would be, and you know, like you said, I think it'd get old being repetitive every year doing the same thing. 
So that comes down to the transportation or the gear. And I would like to have new gear every year. And not to mention as far as as far as branding and having the latest and best every year. I mean, you could drop YouTube videos and all this, be like, yeah, check this out, check this out. I mean, I think you, you get a good following just by having people wanting to see the best and the latest. But I mean, I would be with you guys and I would take the transportation just for the simple fact of you draw one, you, you start stacking up your hunts and having it planned out five, six years in advance. And you just put, you know, as much as I hate doing it, but you put all your eggs in one basket every year for that one good hunt and you're putting all your resources in it. Yeah. You know, just having it, you know, Hey, I can go here. Okay. I need, you have your, you know, especially like I me, mean, just think of like going out West, you know, if you have your airfare out there, well, Christ, you just knocked off 20 hours of driving just by having a freaking, you know, plane ride out there. Yeah. And then, then you have your truck that you drive up to the cabin, you know, and then you have your horses and mules and whatever ready for you and you just go out hunting, you know, it, that, that like logistics, like yeah. having that headache gone. Oh man, that'd be amazing. You know, no different, like doing like a spring bear hunt in Alaska, you know, that logistics of a plane, a plane ride from here up to Alaska, then the jumper plane, and then you have like a, a water plane to an Island and your boat's sitting there ready to go. Oh, I mean, come on. Yeah. You can beat that. That'd be a great freaking bear hunt. Yeah. And, and I think another thing too, which, uh, I was thinking about is like half the hunts, like the anticipation too. Yeah. Like, it's like that build up, you know, just thinking of that one hunt, you know, that one scenario that's going to happen for you. That fucking foreplay. I mean, that'll, <laughs> I'll get you on tight. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, the drive has something to do with it too. Like as you're driving up to the phone, I remember the first time we went through a pass and we were on our way elk hunting. Like the first time we actually had to drive through and we were looking up and it's like, boys, we are about to get federally prison fucked in the ass by these mountains. Like I have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. How, how old were you? Like when you did your first, your first out west hunt? Um, see 32 now it must have been five six years ago so 27 26 27 all right imagine driving through that mountain pass when you're 12 <laughs> <laughs> yep you had your you probably had your dad with you right like older yeah. people have been there before my well that year My dad was the only returning guy in our whole group of six. So my dad knew what he was getting into. Yep. You know, and he, he tried explaining to, to me and stuff like that. But no, it's like all the rest of us, like, yeah, we're like Virgin Eyes. So we're like, we're going I-80 and stuff like that. And you get to the Rocky Mountains, it's kind of like, oh, shit. Well, you, can <laughs> you, just see the you just see the sheer cliffs. <laughs> That's I, I'll never forget like the first time I saw well the first time I saw mountains my dad took me and my brother out to Wyoming antelope hunting and we could see like the bighorns in the distance and I was like that doesn't even look real like yeah climb up on top of those things and hunt yeah 
yeah, that's it's insane. It's different, man. I wish everybody could get that experience, like getting pants punched and something like that. Like I even remember uh, one of my teammates came up. He was like a freshman and he was, he come up from Illinois and he was a deer hunter and we were, you know, in Northern Wisconsin and you guys can relate. And he's like, how the hell do you guys shoot deer up here? You can't see yes. it. <laughs> it's not a field. Yeah. That was kind of like a little, a mini, same version of like when I got thrown into the mountains, it's like, what the fuck am I going to do out here? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of what saved me was like, so I, I did that hunt. That was like the first week of November when I was 12. Now I went out with my dad a couple of times deer hunting around here, but like that was just cornfield hunting. Yep. So like I had never physically hunted until I went out there. That was my first hunt like with a gun in my hands <laughs> so at least i did like have like this baby hunting like around here and stuff like that <laughs> dude you if that was me i would have hated hunting like no other if i went to see <laughs> like this is the dumbest thing ever i think what, what was the saving grace was I mean it was like i was telling you guys it was like that outfitted hunt so at least we're on a private chunk i mean it's I mean, opening, so my very first morning, my very first day hunting, I ended up shooting my first deer. I shot a four-corn muley. Nice. But I think, I think that was probably the third or fourth buck I shot at. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that, I mean, that, that's the style of hunting out there was like, ah, I mean, this buck, this this is easy. It's like, you just walk around shooting that shit all day. This is great. You know, and then I hunted Wisconsin. It's kind of like, where the fuck's all the deer? It's like, I didn't shoot it all today. I mean, the running, the, the running joke out there with me was, like, the, the outfitter started asking me, did I bring enough ammo out there? And I tell him, like, well, I brought two boxes. I should be good. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's, you know, it's just. First antelope. Mm-hmm. Took me nine shots to kill my first antelope. I still get caught uh, that every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was it was one of those things where it's like I am so happy for going out there, but man, it was like a fucking I was getting spoon fed my hunting at the same time, you know. But you know, at the same time, though, at least I had to work for it, you know. I mean, I didn't have to. I didn't have to pack out or drag out or anything. But I mean, I still had to put the miles on at least. You know, that's a lot more than. You know, the miles out there are a lot longer than they are here. Yeah. I mean, you talk about it. You know, around here is like, oh, I went a mile back. Yeah, you go out there and fucking, you're only a mile back. <laughs> Fuck! Why you got to get off the road? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it takes you a mile to hit tree line yep yeah i mean it's it's a whole different world of life out there man but yeah so yeah i think we're all kind of level playing field we just kind of want we want all that gas paid for for us pretty much dude if i had my gas paid for man 
I look at my gas bill every month, especially during hunting season. It's like four or five hundred dollar bill. Like, well, I mean, just just look at that turkey hunt this spring, Eric, that we're doing. Yeah. How how much how much is the tag and food and even include like our gear? Yeah, it's minimal you gear. Know? Like we bring what thirty dollars worth of food with that, and. <laughs> the tag's only like $130. So it's yeah. like, it's all <laughs> freaking fuel. Yeah. And the, you know, yeah. So all that stuff's like, I don't know, $200, but we spend minimum $250, $300 worth of fuel. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you, you a shit. So, what you got to think of when you're talk, thinking about your expenses with trips, what? What fuel would you have spent going to gas, going back and forth to work that whole week? And you can never count food because you always got to eat. So food, you don't even count that as an expense because it just washes out. You don't want to know what my fuel is going back and forth to work for a week. Mine, Mine's insane because, uh, like, I go to Madison to visit Lisa, so... Like yeah. three or four days a week over there, so I drive like an hour. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm an exception to most rules. I I average like I usually spend like five hundred dollars a month on fuel. It's stupid. Yeah, I I live I live three miles from my work. So if I was strictly driving work and home with my truck, I would try to fuck a tank of gas would last me two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too if i actually stayed in my apartment i got like a five block drive see eric you're running around chasing tail all the time so don't yeah. even include those expenses you're you're gold <laughs> you'd be doing it anyways yeah just like after this i'm gonna go out shining i think see if i can <laughs> hey th things might change for friday and saturday if i find something that i feel like i can get it after might still go deer hunting yet. We'll see. We'll um, see. So, yeah. Redemption. I I missed. Uh, we had that CWD hunt, and they chased a bunch of bucks by me, but I didn't get didn't get good looks at them. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Oh, might as well keep it going. How was your CWD hunt? All right, break break. We're we're gonna throw this on the next podcast. Okay. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. Don't be a dumbass.